This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9. Bonjour. It's Friday morning, 6 a.m. on Friday, the 15th of July. I'm Shazana Mokhtar, and I am here with the resident Franco file, Francophonie, <laughs> Francophone of BFM, Keith Kam. Bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> How have you been, Keith? I'm, I'm all right, actually. Um, yeah, I'm having fun here. So my second day for this time. Second day on the morning run. Not, second day starting. Well, actually, you're not, used not really. to you're I'm, used to early mornings. I'm used to early mornings, but uh, I've actually been on the morning run like a, te- a decade ago, ten years ago, this month. Uh-huh. Aha! Yeah. Oh yeah. wow! With History a, repeats itself. The totally different team that time. <laughs> 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 well, we still have a great lineup of conversation. I think that's what the morning run is known for. We have um, a lot of interesting uh, topics on the docket today. Starting at 7.15, we're going to discuss how well positioned is the Malaysian economy to weather global economic turbulence. We'll be discussing our economic prospects with business commentator Pankaj C. Kumar. And then at 7.30, we, have, uh, we, we talk about US President Joe Biden, who is currently on a charm offensive in the Middle East. We discussed the the expectations for this visit and whether or not he can actually be charming with political analyst Dr. James Dorsey. That's right. Biden is actually going to be in Saudi Arabia today. I think mm-hmm. all eyes are going to be on his meeting with Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. How is that going to turn out? Uh, after that, at 7.45, we will be discussing the latest freeze on foreign worker hirings by the Indonesian government. They announced that earlier this week. I think it was just yesterday, if not the day before. We're going to discuss the implications of this roadblock for the economy with political economist Dr. Kor Yu Leng. We'll have all this and more today on The Morning Run, so stay with us, BFM 89.9. Got to let go by the bees. You are listening to The Morning Run. It's 6.07 a.m. on Friday, the 15th of July. I'm Shazana Mukhtar in studio with Keith Kam. Hello, good morning. Now, our first story. Maybe you've heard of the term RBF. It's, it's the term that's used to describe a facial expression that looks angry or annoyed, even when the individual in question is feeling neutral, yeah? Mm-hmm. So I know that I'm guilty of RBF, especially when I'm intensely concentrating on a task at hand. I've often been told you look way too intimidating when you're focusing on your computer screen in that manner. Um, and in, in the hospitality sector, RBF is obviously a no-no, right? You want to see your servers or uh, service personnel being all smiley and happy. And there's a town in the Philippines that has gone so far as to prohibit local government employees from having RBF. So the mayor of a, t- of a town called Mulane in the Quezon province, he has instituted a smile policy to ensure a business-friendly atmosphere. And those who don't comply could be fined the equivalent of six months' salary or be suspended from their job. So this is a local government job. I mean, what do you make of such a policy? Can this actually be enforced? I, I have issues with that. First of all, you cannot, you really cannot uh, persecute anyone for having a certain facial expression. <laughs> for not smiling? Yeah, I mean, um, all right. Uh, case in point, I have a pug and my pug has a really, really grumpy face. <laughs> <laughs> but she's sweet. I mean, you, you, I, I, the only time I can actually see her smile is when there's food in front of her. I and am- that's like twice, twice a day. <laughs> but you know 
She's a she's a she's a she's a dog, and she's got that grumpy, perpetual grumpy face. But that's her. I don't know, Keith. I'm not <laughs> sure that we can draw parallels with dogs because you don't really expect to see dogs smiling. If they're smiling, they're probably <laughs> snarling, and that's kind of that's 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 definitely intimidating, right? No, but really, uh, you you do have people who have you know a certain type of facial expression, and if you force them to smile, it just looks forced, and it looks like the, the uh, Batman's Joker has actually gotten to them with some <laughs> chemical. I, I can. <laughs> definitely see that. So if we look at the reasons why the mayor has instituted this policy, his, he's got a great name. His name is Aristotle Aguirre. So he said the measure was in response to complaints from locals, mostly coconut growers and fishermen, about the unfriendly treatment that they've received from town hall staff when they went to pay their taxes or seek aid. Also, they have reason. So when I, when <laughs> I hear that, I'm thinking, okay, I think that makes sense, right? Because when you go to uh, a public service department, you mm. do expect a level of courtesy. You do expect the level of politeness um, and nobody wants to go to renew their license and, and, to, and to be greeted by you know a grim-faced uh, personnel that doesn't make the experience pleasant for either side essentially. I wonder though uh, would language help if you do have that sort of uh, facial expression you know being a little bit more extra polite using the right words instead of saying no time today you know mm. we're closed I'm on a break that's that's actually a pretty yeah, g- use, good way to compromise. More, yeah, use more pleases and thank yous or uh, I'm afraid I can't help you today. That's that sort of thing. That is, I guess that's one way to do it. But when you're in a front-facing role, right? I mean, there's no denying that you do expect a good uh, service or, or good, I guess, personalities in front of you when you are when you go to a restaurant for example or mm-hmm. you go to a hotel in the hospitality sector you just really expect um you know your client your customer service personnel to be friendly i call out this discrimination though i do know some <laughs> airlines who who actually uh, hire certain people who look a certain way <laughs> interest okay uh, right. uh, uh-huh but uh, it's it's the same it's the same reason though so um Related to this, there is a cafe in London, I believe. Uh-huh. I think it's called, I don't know what it's called, um, but or maybe it's called the Karen Cafe. I'm not sure. But the shtick is they hire, uh, their waiters and waitresses are all um, Karens, if you know the term, yeah. to, to, res- to refer to someone who's really, uh, you know, hard to please or very demanding. So the, the shtick of the cafe, the, the, I guess the, the theme of it is you go there and you will get bad, uh, you'll get, get bad customer service, essentially. I, I, I read about a similar one in Melbourne. I think it's going to be a, a, a thing that's going to catch on. And I, and I hope they open one in this city in the Philippines. I don't think they need that. I don't, I don't think we need that in Malaysia either. I really prefer our um, you know, Malaysian hospitality. But tell us what you think. You know, what do you make of a smile policy for public service departments? Um, do you have any bad or good experiences with customer service that you'd like to share? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. We are heading into some messages and when we come back, we'll continue the discussion with a look at society views on obesity. BFM 89.9. That was Fiona Apple with Across the Universe. And you know, the title of that song makes me think about those remarkable images from the James Webb Space Telescope that we've been seeing this past week. Just those pictures of those distant universes. They're incredible. I I have to say, those things break my mind because I, I just 
cannot wrap my head around the fact that I'm looking at something 13 billion years ago. It's, how? It's crazy. And for me, it really it really shows just how tiny of a speck we are. So <laughs> insignificant and, you know, the nonsense we go through here. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> a, a, a moment for humility and humbleness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's take a look at uh, our next story. So there's a fascinating article in the Financial Times about a new weight loss drug that actually works, you know. It's not one of those scams that we see on social media. So this drug is called Wegovy, mm-hmm. and it's formulated by Danish drug maker Novo Nordisk. So it works by using hormones to regulate one's appetite. And trials have shown that patients can lose an average of 15% of their body weight when they take the drug. So the article, which is, who's, which is written by Hannah Kuschler, explores the implications of this particular treatment for obesity. And I would highly recommend reading it if you have the time. But what are your immediate reactions, Keith? I mean, do you think that uh, obesity should be medicated, uh, treated as a disease, essentially? But I really think uh, obesity, uh, you you really need to take a really deep look into this because, uh, I mean, not everyone could, could be obese and, and, and not everyone should take a drug to treat their, to treat their condition. Uh, sometimes regular exercise, uh, diet control might work just, 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 just as well. Mm. Um, Having said that, however, uh, there was a study in 2019, the National Health and Morbidity Survey, which said that uh, 50.1% of Malaysia's adult population are reported to be overweight. That's 30% and obese, 20%. That's actually quite high. That's really stark. Yeah, and The Lancet, which is a British medical journal, uh, they also pointed out to the fact that Malaysia is uh, the most obese country in Southeast Asia. Um, I I want to say that it's not really... Yes, our food is good. But I want to say it's not always about food, but uh, maybe it's a generalisation. But anecdotally, I don't think Malaysians exercise as much as they should. Right. I think that that's the discussion that... um, That's the discussion around having this drug to treat obesity. Yeah, like what's the root cause of obesity? So I think the traditional view is that it's due to, you know, not exercising enough, not having a good enough diet. But there's also evidence that shows that for some people, obesity is genetic that you could do everything right and you'd still gain weight or you're still not able uh, to keep those pounds off. So how do those pe- what should those people do? Yeah. So that's where uh, a drug like Wegovy perhaps makes sense. Um, but again, it also goes down, boils down to how exactly does society view obesity? Because admittedly, there is a stigma mm-hmm. towards people who are seen as obese. You know, they're seen as having a character flaw of some sort, of not being disciplined enough, of not being able to control themselves. When in actuality, it's a clinical it, condition. It could yeah. be a clinical condition. So I'm wondering if um, having a drug of this sort will change perceptions of obesity and and maybe uh, create a more empathetic view of people who have this condition? I really feel that when it comes to taking drugs, it really needs to be uh, studied properly uh, to each his own, basically. Uh, you, You might have a clinical condition, but you need a doctor to actually diagnose that for you and, and, and prescribe it, prescribe it for you as well. Um, I mean, even even the concept of uh, BMI, body mass index, to, to define obesity, uh, there are a lot of reports that said that it could be flawed. Mm. 
at the end of the day, I still feel it's best to consult a doctor or a nutritionist to see what's best for you and your particular body type. I mean, I, I, I agree. Mm. I think having a drug of this, um, uh, with this kind of effect, it's really, it, c- it could very well be open to abuse yeah. because being thin is that ideal that so many people have. Yeah, And if there's a shortcut to it, um, I think a lot of people would try to take advantage of that. But the, but even the article says taking this drug doesn't mean that you shouldn't exercise or you don't have to exercise or you don't have to watch what you eat. No, everything works in tandem with each other. And there are no shortcuts in life, just like there are no get-rich-quick schemes in this earth. <laughs> totally. Um, and the other thing about the perception of being thin is beautiful, I think that should end because you are who you are. Uh, you need not ne- necessarily be as thin as uh, Kate Moss was when too you thin. know during her. That's just way too thin. <laughs> or even uh, I mean, you you've seen Angelina Jolie in 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 Wanted. Her her arms were scarily skeletal. So you know, everyone has a different perception, and you should uh, highlight that. I think I I I absolutely agree with you. But it is very hard to change years of conditioning um, mm. in media in in fashion. You know, so I'm glad that this kind these kinds of conversations continue. Um, tell us what you think. What do you make of a drug that could treat obesity? Do you think that obesity is a clinical condition? Um, what's up us your thoughts? Zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. It's coming up to six twenty five in the morning, and we're heading into the six. 30 a.m. news bulletin. We'll come back after that with a look at global headlines. Taking you to the news is 38 special with Hold On Loosely, BFM 89.9. That was traffic with Feeling All Right. I hope you're feeling all right on this Friday morning, the 15th of July. I'm Shazana Mokdar with Keith Kam. We're the morning run, taking you all the way up to 10 a.m. this morning. And it's that time of day when we take a look at what's making headlines around the world. I think the big news overnight is that the former president of Sri Lanka, well, he's finally the former president, Gotabaya Rajapaksa, has officially resigned after fleeing to Singapore on Thursday. So he's believed to have wanted to leave Sri Lanka before stepping down because as as president, he actually enjoyed immunity. And if, if he had resigned while he was in Sri Lanka, he could face a, a prosec- a prosec- prosecution uh, for b- things that he had alle- things and that he and his family had allegedly done. I am shaking my head. If you don't have anything to fear, why do you need to run, right? But there you go. Um, he it reminds me of a certain prime minister who tried to do the same thing after an election once. I I, I feel like yes, I, I have. I, I seem to recall that story. I believe that former prime minister is still around, though. Um, yeah. No more running anymore. Uh, no, you know. Yeah, no shame, no shame. In any case, um, we don't know what's going to happen, what's, what Gotabaya Rajapaksa is planning next. Um, Singapore has said that they haven't received any applications for asylum and they don't generally grant asylum. Um, I We don't know whether he plans to stay there for the long term or if he's planning to go to another country. He first fled to Maldives and then went to Singapore. So where he goes next is surely something that um, I'm sure the Sri Lankan authorities and the Sri Lankan people will be monitoring. Um, But of course, what does this mean for Sri Lanka moving forward? I think that's the big question. That's such a beautiful country to to see something um, like this happening to them. Uh, But whatever it is, uh, the 
people are now calling for a, a, a unity government to help bring the country out of this economic mess that they are in. Um, from what I've heard on uh, on several news portals this morning, uh, earlier this morning, is that they are likely to come up with uh, 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 an interim prime minister, uh, interim president, before actually holding elections for a more permanent one sometime by next week. They, they, would, they, they were banding the, the dates of like... Uh, uh, about seven days' time from now, by next Friday at least. Right. Mm. I think determining who is actually leading government is going to be crucial if they want to conclude talks with the uh, International Monetary Fund. That was ongoing yeah. uh, before the uh, former president fled the country. And now everything's in limbo because who's in charge of the government, right? So we'll be watching to see how this resolves itself. We've also done uh, several interviews with uh, experts on Sri Lanka, the latest of which was on the evening edition uh, last night with Farah Shokatali. He's the editor of Salon Independent. Go look up the podcast. It's titled President on the Run, a Sri Lanka update. That's right. You will want to check that out. It's available on the BFM app or on our website. But in other news about uh, changing government leadership, we've got headlines coming out of the UK where they've whittled down their uh, prime minister candidates further. I think it started out with 11 candidates, then it went down to nine. Now it's down to five candidates, with the top three being um, Rishi Sunak, Penny Mordant and Liz Truss. They managed to get the top votes among all, all the candidates. The uh, the final result will be known sometime in early September, I believe. And I and think what happens now is by next week, it will right. be down to two candidates. And then the Conservative Party membership, which is about, I'm not sure, in, in the hundreds of thousands, I suppose, 100,000, a couple hundred thousand, um, they will vote for uh, who the leader will be and the winner will be the next Prime Minister of the UK. And as you said, that final result will come out by September 5th. So by next week, we'll know who the two people in contention are. It's going to be a really uh, difficult job for whoever becomes Prime Minister next because uh, the Brexit issues are still not resolved. Um, what was promised by the Leave campaign, uh, Leave campaigners, was not as uh, as as rosy as as it had been painted out to be. Right. It's interesting because um, among the top three, Rishi Sunak, Penny Mordant, Liz Truss, Liz Truss actually voted to remain. Mm -hmm. And some of um, the candidates are, are using that against her, saying that she's not a true Brexiteer, she's not going to honour the uh, agreement that was made. Um, and Penny Mordant is seen as the dark horse as well. She wasn't really widely known before this. She was actually the first um, Secretary of Armed Forces, I believe, yeah. under the uh, under Margaret not Margaret Thatcher, I'm sorry, under uh, Theresa May's cabinet. Um, so yeah, whether she can actually rise to the top, there has been some polling that shows if she were to be one of the final two contenders, she actually has a really good chance of winning. So maybe we'll see another female prime minister in the UK, or maybe we'll see Rishi Sunak. He is the front runner at the moment. Sunak would be the front runner, I feel, because I mean, he was previously the uh, uh, Treasury Minister, the Chancellor of the Exchequer. So he might have some experience in that in that field, uh, especially in a situation like today, where economics takes the front page. He is the sole candidate that's not calling for further tax cuts, though. Yeah. I think all the other candidates have said that they will cut taxes if they come into the office of prime minister. He hasn't. He says he'll take a more measured approach. So we'll see which argument wins out among the UK or Conservative Party uh, membership. It's uh, 6.46 in the morning now. We're heading into some messages. We'll come back after that with a look at what's making headlines in our local newspapers and portals. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9.
Friday, I'm in love by The Cure, a perfect song for a Friday morning. It's 6.50 a.m. on the 15th of July of Friday. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Keith Kam. We are scanning the local newspapers and online portals for the top stories of the morning. And I think this is the uh, big story that's coming overnight. It's the front page of the the New Straits Times. Breakthrough approval. The health ministry will allow certain products containing... Cannabidiol. Am I saying that right, Keith? Cannabidiol. cannabidiol. Let's go with CBD after this. Can- okay, <laughs> cannabidiol, CBD, henceforth. Uh, it's, a, it's a particular chemical in the cannabis plant. Uh, they're going to allow products to be registered by next year. Yeah, it's high on the headlines there today, if you notice, everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there, Keith. I see what you did there. But yeah, this is is quite a significant development. Uh, The health minister, Kairi Jamludin, was... um, he emphasized that this doesn't mean um, recreational marijuana use is yeah. being legalized. This is really for medicinal purposes only. It can only be administered by healthcare professionals. And there will, of course, be stringent processes in registering the type of CBD products for use as well. So it's really very limited. It's, it's not, um, he's, he's, he stresses that this doesn't mean we're decriminalizing drug use. Yeah, but uh, but but the thing is, it's not an unusual move because it's. Uh, I mean, CBD has been proven to be quite beneficial to uh, a lot of people who are suffering with, uh, who, who are living with cancer. Uh, anyone suffering from from intense pain, uh, it, it is it is a good relief. And on top of that, it is uh, it is a billion dollar industry throughout the world. Very so, true. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's one thing that came out of the health headlines. Um, there was also more news on health. I think the Ministry of Health will be looking to table the anti-s- anti-smoking bill. And uh, I don't know how, how that is going to... I, I don't know how, how effective that is going to be, but uh, essentially it's going to stop people from uh, who, who were born uh, after 2005 uh, from, from, buying, from, from buying cigarettes. Uh, at the same time, though, uh, we do notice that... Uh, there is still that um, move to ban smoking at, at eateries where people will be fined uh, quite quite heftily if they if they light up uh, within a certain n- number of meters uh, outside of a cafe or a restaurant um, for me though I always feel that enforcement is has always been the weakness in in, in this country and if you don't get the enforcement if you don't get the enforcement right, whatever laws you put in would be just rather pointless. Very true. And I think um, something to note on the anti-smoking bill is the fact that um, I think MP for Muar Said Sadiq has actually come out to express concerns about whether this is the right bill going forward. So I'd be interested to see how the debates on the bill go and whether how it will pass through the parliament. And don't forget, Shazana, as well, uh, you know, uh, health aside, uh, when, you, when you ban smoking, just like when you ban a lot of other things, contraband uh, always comes up. And, who's, uh, and, and, and the cigarette companies, uh, uh, which also contribute quite a significant amount of tax revenue to the country, would be impacted as well. Something we'll be keeping an eye on, 6.54 in the morning. We're heading into the 7 a.m. News Bulletin. And after that, we'll take a look at how global markets closed overnight. Taking you to the news is the 1975 with She's American, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.